0: Guadney Unplugged, hosted by Scott Romine, is brought to you by Guadney Buick GMC at 5700 Landers Road in North Little Rock, next to Sam's Club. Call 501-945-4444 or visit guadneybuickgmc.com. GMC, we are professional grade. Hey, Scott Romine here. We're going to talk about one of my favorite actors uh, of all time. Old Jim Varney, of course, played Ernest P. Worrell among other things. He's also in Beverly Hillbillies. He did a lot of stuff, voice and toy story. We're going to talk with David Pagano. He is a director. He's making a documentary about the importance of being earnest. That's the title of it. It's all about our friend, Jim Varney. How are you, David?
1: I'm doing good, Scott. Thanks for having me.
0: Man, absolutely. I'm just really excited about your documentary. I wanted to ask you, is it based on a book that i know came out some years ago it had a very similar title
1: (laughs) yeah yep there's uh there's no hiding it the uh the documentary the importance of being earnest is based on the book the importance of being earnest which was written by uh jim varney's nephew justin lloyd and uh i believe it came out uh, yeah about it about a decade ago just about and uh justin and i have actually we're collaborating on this documentary project along with a, a host of other talented folks to uh, to make this thing happen.
0: It's really amazing. He's been gone now about 24 years, I guess, uh, since he passed away, but he seemed to be as popular yeah. as ever. I see you guys post online and it just goes crazy.
1: Yeah, we just had the uh, the Jim Varney in a DeLorean uh, photo just went viral. And I think tripled <laughs> Justin's book sales in like the span of a week. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, he is such a, uh, an interesting and often forgotten performer for a long time. Like everyone, we see this often online. Everyone seems to think for a long time that they were the only ones who kind of remembered him or that he was just this sort of like niche character, uh, niche character actor, that is. Um, but I think now as, uh, you know, as things happen, like there's a, uh, Ernest Day in Tennessee every year. It's the Ernest uh fan event at the park where they shot Ernest Goes to Camp. Uh, you've got things like uh Ernest Saves Christmas showing up on Disney Plus. There's kind of a, a resurgence of uh Jim Varney and the Ernest character and uh, all these people who separately kind of appreciated or were fondly remembered uh those movies and that performance, they're all kind of finding each other again now and, and it's a little bit of a, a celebration that's happening. And correctly, I think.
0: You know, I'm really into the Dukes of Hazard. I have a General Lee and all that. And what has always amazed me about the fandom is the young people that were not alive when the thing was ever on the air. Have y'all run across like a new fan base that are really too young to have experienced it the first go around with Ernest? Well, it's funny because
1: I am... I'm almost that, right? Because Ernest started out as a commercial character in the early '80s. Oh yeah, and then, but by the end of the decade is where you get the movies, and then the movies would play on TV through the '90s, and they would, it would be. I often describe Ernest as that face that would stare at you from the the blockbuster store shelves. Um, it was just sort of like this this presence. Um, so that there's there's definitely a a long period of what we sometimes refer to as the the Ernest oeuvre. <laughs> uh or the earnest epoch but um i think what you're seeing now is as with so many things like your star wars and, and things like that uh it's the next generation you know oh, parents yeah. are having children and they're sharing sharing those things that they loved growing up with with uh, the the new kids so uh yeah we, we went to Ernest day to do some uh recording and interviews for the documentary and we met Ernest fans who were in their 60s, and Ernest fans who were born within the last 20 years. So uh, they take all kinds.
0: So when you go to like this Jim Varney event, and I would love to attend that, do some of the, like a Duke's a Hazard Fest that that goes on, or Star Trek, do, do any of the other fellow actors from these Ernest films show up at this thing?
1: Absolutely. Um, so when Ernest Day started, um, it was... Through kind of a agreement between uh, Montgomery Bell State Park in Tennessee, which is where uh, Ernest Goes to Camp was filmed, and uh, John Cherry, who was the the one of the creators of the Ernest character and the the guy who directed most of the films and worked at the ad agency where Ernest kind of originated. So this this was sort of a half fan event, half officially sanctioned thing, uh, and. Yeah, it's just sort of grown every year and more and more uh people involved with the films have have shown up. John Cherry was there for a few years uh before he uh, sadly passed away a couple years ago. But um yeah, uh I think every year they try to get more and more people in the earnest orbit to to show up. And then of course you also have the fans that as you said like a Star Trek convention, there are people showing up to earnest day dressed as the man himself, Ernest P. Worrell. Uh, when I was there, there was a a fantastic uh, cosplayer dressed as I don't know how familiar you are with the the more <laughs> lesser known Ernest characters, but there was a Auntie Nelda, the the old oh, woman that course. Ernest often dresses up as. Uh, yeah, so there was a just an excellent spot on, you know, had the walker, had the look, had the neck brace, and had the uh, the <laughs> dismissive attitude, just like. Perfectly perfectly nailed it. Yeah.
0: My favorite was Just Billy wonderful. Boogie. Outside of Ernest, I thought oh, Billy sure. Boogie was fantastic. <laughs> I wish more would have been done with Billy Boogie. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't
1: gosh, I wish more would have been done with a lot of those folks. uh but yeah, Billy Boogie certainly I think um now that you mentioned it, one of our uh documentary team members actually dressed as Billy Boogie for one of the uh Ernest Day events.
0: Oh, that's so great. I, I they, remember uh, that coming out complete with I, the with the whole with the glasses and the the beanie cap and <laughs> the whole thing. Sure. For the she even, uh, she
1: even had the uh Inagata DeVita, the long version t shirt.
0: Oh, you have to. You know, that's so great. And for the people listening, <laughs> that of course is part of what the Ernest Family album, which was was a TV special. I watched it first run on on television. Um what do you think Jim Varney would have thought about an earnest day? What do the other actors how do they feel that would he have attended something like this? Would he have appreciated it? Would he what would have happened if he's still with us?
1: Poof, gosh, that's like one of those impossible questions for the ages, right? Uh it's tough for me to say just because uh unlike Justin, I have never met Jim Varney. Like I didn't know the man himself. Right. So I can only imagine how he might have reacted to this. I, I hope he would get a kick out of it. I think he would find it uh, amusing and charming. Uh, you know, one of the other folks we've been uh, lucky enough to interact with on this project is uh, Daniel Butler, who was uh, one of the original earnest writers. He appears as like every single background, strange character in a bunch of the earnest stuff. He's uh he's the robot in uh, the earnest TV show. He's, yeah, the sheriff in Ernest Scared Stupid. Um, and, you know, when we were first starting this project, he was one of those people who just sort of like really got a kick out of how all of these Ernest podcasts and Ernest fan pages and all this, <laughs> this resurgence, this groundswell of of love for for this work that, you know, I think to a lot of those folks, it had been years since those movies came out. So I think there was a question if, did anyone remember ernest like did anyone care like did, did did those things matter to people and what we're finding out uh now especially as this documentary production continues is that uh heck yes it did and, and that that love is just pouring forth through the the internet tubes
0: i just hope i like to think that he really embraced the character and would have appreciated appearing at something like this but you know there are some actors the whole being stereotyped as one character really bothers them. I, I, I hope that Jim Varney embraced it. I'd like to think that. I, I don't know. Sure. I think
1: like like so many people, I think it probably depended on the day, right? Probably. We've, in our research for the documentary, we, we've seen interviews where, and in Justin's book as well, we've seen interviews where, you know, in, in one instance, Jim is like, super gung-ho about it and then another one it's like well maybe i could have cut out of earnest a little earlier or done some other things more um more aggressively um so
0: yeah i I think you know it's
1: it's one of those it's like spider-man right it's like a a blessing and a curse
0: i played the character in a junior high play found the vhs tape of that the other day Uh, have you heard of other things like that where there were tributes Way far back, not just waiting for these events to start in modern uh, modern day, David.
1: Absolutely, and I'm, we're gonna have to talk after this. I might need to get that VHS tape from you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, there's you know people on people on YouTube. Uh, they'll send us uh, clips like, "Hey, I just got my old family movies di- digitized, and uh, here's me reenacting an Ernest commercial from 1987." Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I think there's something so engaging you know the commercials that uh, jim varney did as the earnest character there were thousands and thousands of them oh which yeah it's like unheard of and i think the the one of the things that really the the magic of jim varney is that he did these commercials almost all of them are all in one take and he makes it feel so effortless and so charming that i think for for some people when you watch that it's like oh this he makes it look so easy that I could do it. Um, and it sort of like invites you into to this, this character's, uh, energy and enthusiasm. So yeah, there's, you know, we, again, we've seen old tapes of people from the eighties and nineties doing, doing their best earnest. And we've seen kids who absolutely were not alive. (laughs) When when any of that stuff happened now, you know, climbing up on their own ladders and having a parent film them and saying, Hey, Vern, How'd you, how'd you like this mellow yellow? Yeah. I bet you'd like it.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I was obsessed with it. I don't know that I'm not anymore. <laughs> I still have, I guess. So historically this advertising agency, I think it's Cardin and cherry create the earnest character. Is there any one person, David, that's attributed to creating the character? I mean, I've never really heard the exact origin of it and and how much of it was just Jim Varney. <laughs> oh
1: boy. So this is this is a big part of why we're making the documentary we're making. The the earnest history, um and it's it's Justin started to capture it in his in his biography book and we're now sort of doing the further the further reading, the the film version of that. Um it's so it's so difficult to track down some of that information because sometimes it's hearsay, sometimes it's asking people who are getting on in years and don't have a clear recollection, uh sometimes there's, there's biases that come up. Um as far as we can tell, Ernest was created not necessarily by one person. Um you know, John Cherry and some of the other folks at the ad agency had the original idea for the character, and they did cast Jim Varney as Ernest because they had worked with him uh, on a different commercial campaign earlier where he played a character named Sergeant It mm-hmm. was kind of a he was not like Ernest really at all; he was more of a, a drill sergeant who promoted uh, purity milk products but you know once you get a Jim Varney in there and you start to uh, amass the the various writers and the designers and people involved in in the ernest uh machine um, you know it starts to become difficult to see where where any given part of ernest it, it, it's it's impossible to say like yes it was this one person uh that being said, I think the other thing that we found is that you know there have been a couple of attempts here and there to kind of bring back the earnest character and it's really tough because there's this, there's this guy who kind of made it all work. Like I was saying with the commercials, you know, you're doing these things in one take and it takes,
0: it takes a special someone. Uh, and,
1: and Jim Varney was truly one of a kind.
0: Oh, he really was. Uh, so there's no like, unlike star Wars. I mean, there's old video footage of Kurt Russell trying out for Han Solo and stuff like there's nothing like that where they considered other actors before Jim Vardy is cast as Ernest? You know, not to my knowledge,
1: but uh, there are uh, no less than 90 tapes somewhere in a basement in Tennessee that are waiting for us to digitize them. And so, you know, we could find something a week, a month, a year from now that will totally flip this entire wow. story of legacy on its head. But, um, as far as we know, Jim was the only one who, who played Ernest. And it started, it started as this, uh, kind of the whole, the whole point of Ernest originally was they were trying to make an ad for this theme park, but they couldn't show the theme park. So they're like, well, we'll just have a guy talk about it. Ah. Um, and, and that's sort of how, how the earnest character originated and then it got put away for a while and then sort of reused later for different clients and, uh, just took off from there.
0: So who come up with, know what I mean, know what I mean, Vern? I mean, that's the catchphrase. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing about know what I mean is
1: that it's something we all kind of say already. It's, sure. not, it's not necessarily about the words, but it's like the way he says it and the way he weaves it into conversation and the, the delivery. Um, I don't know that we have a a source for know what I mean. I know, again, talking to Dan Butler, I believe uh, Golly Bob Howdy came from Dan Butler's
0: father-in-law. I yes, think? I've seen that where um, he talks about and, it. And,
1: and that's that's another thing where it's like, OK, so does Dan Butler's father-in-law, how much is he responsible for the earnest character then? You need some kind of like pie chart
0: or something. Sure, that's right. Well, you know, I know that Jim Vardy was an established working actor before Ernest, but I've always heard like almost an Elvis-like thing where he was driving a truck when he gets the role as Ernest. Is there no truth to that? I'm not sure about the truck driving thing. I know he was uh,
1: kind of struggling in in Hollywood proper. Uh, There was a couple of projects he was involved with that, sort of didn't go anywhere there was uh what is it called Uh, operation petticoat the pink lady and jeff variety series there's just a, a number of things that sort of like i think felt like they could be the thing and then just kind of dissolved so um it was when he kind of came back home to uh i guess to nashville that uh you know I think he was kind of like taking a break from the official Hollywood thing and then sort of found himself uh, getting work in in Nashville's production scene at the time.
0: What are the origins, I've always wondered, of the outfit, the tan hat, the vest, the T-shirt? And I remember early on, he even had like a three-quarter sleeve or a long sleeve shirt on the, the fan club poster. How did it evolve, and who chose that outfit, and, and do fans have their hands on any original outfits?
1: These are, these are all great questions. Uh, we know, so in that original Ernest spot where he was talking about the, the, the theme park they couldn't show, or not theme park, but amusement park, um, he's just kind of in like a, a button-up shirt, I think, in that spot, uh, which we have yet to find a, a clean copy, but fingers crossed. Um yeah I think one of the other things we've been lucky enough to get access to is we got in touch with the original Ernest photographer uh Jim DeVault who basically gave us this this treasure trove of photos and um, things he had saved over the years uh which we affectionately refer to as the DeVault vault and you can kind of see in looking at the the various Ernest photo shoots over the years you can sort of see the outfit kind of evolved it seems like they had the the hat and the vest pretty early on but you're right there are sort of more one-off things where he might be in like a a kind of a thermal shirt underneath in one photo shoot or he might have like dress shoes or work boots on in a in another photo shoot before they settled on like the uh the black canvas slip-ons
0: The original outfit should be in the Smithsonian. Does anyone know where the outfit is?
1: (laughs) I mean, I agree with you completely. I know some original screen-worn Ernest costumes have made their way into the hands of collectors by, gosh, a variety of means. You know, one of the things we've really had to work hard at uh, while researching this documentary is... Unlike a Lucasfilm or, or a, a Disney or, or things like that, there's no one repository for all of the Ernest stuff. Sure. Some things were made by some things were shot in Vancouver, some things were actually made by Disney. And the the four original Ernest films are all Disney products. Um, you know, some stuff is owned by holding companies, or some stuff is the property of the family, or it's it's kind of this, this big puzzle that we're sort of trying to wrangle all of the the disparate threads and, and find the, uh, the importance. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I, I think a big reason why I wanted to do this documentary personally is because I feel like Ernest and Jim Varney don't get the credit they deserve. And, and certainly having the, the outfit in the Smithsonian would go a long way to uh, rectifying that. That concern I have.
0: Boy, that should happen. So I'm fifty. That's the the age that we lost Jim Varney. So I remember these things yep. running originally. Now the ABC affiliate, KATV that I work with all the time here in Little Rock, Jim Varney came and shot commercials for that station. And I've always wondered, like, what were the fees back then if you wanted Ernest to represent your your company obviously there was travel expenses and Jim Varney's fees and I mean was it an outrageous amount for the time this was the 80s
1: gosh I couldn't I couldn't begin to tell you <laughs> I know I know that there was again they did so many thousands of commercials and a lot of times they would do exactly what you said where uh Ernest would sort of interact with the the local news folks or the the car dealership people you know a, a close personal friend of mine that kind of a thing. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) I I have have zero insight into the, the, the cost of any of these things or the price rather. But uh, obviously it did very well for both the, uh, the ad agency folks and for Jim. Um,
0: But yeah, the one he did in Little Rock was he was on the top of a, satellite truck i'm beaming beaming, beaming 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 talking about beaming beaming the signals <laughs> everywhere i mean you can just see ernest doing it uh you know wearing the Absolutely. super set oh it was just great what is so unusual about the Ernest character and the commercials to me is there was no internet so you could avoid what would be considered like conflicts of interest today. You would never have the same spokesman for a Toyota place somewhere and a Chrysler place somewhere else, you know, numerous different TV stations and different markets. One might be a an ABC and one's a CV. that sort of thing. It's like that would only have existed at that period in time. Have you stumbled off o- onto things like this? That's, it's very very unusual.
1: No, you're absolutely right and I think that's another thing that really fascinates me about the story of Ernest and Jim. Like nothing like this had ever happened before and probably nothing like it could ever happen again. I can't think of another example of a, a commercial character created for advertising who then yes, like exactly what you're saying, advertises for one uh, dairy company here and another one there. They were they were great at just like reselling the same ads or the same gags to to different local markets across the country i think the closest i could think of anyone coming to that is maybe like i know jim henson did a lot of advertising uh early on and and did similar things where like they would sell the same ad in different local markets it, w- it really was like this this thing that could have only happened at a certain time in history
0: that's right because today you know one dealership would put their commercial online on YouTube and then it would be the same script. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did they typically use the same scripts and would just go to different markets and and make a new commercial or perhaps, perhaps they don't even go to where that particular business is and just produce it in Nashville. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think it depends um, on the situation. Obviously if they had to have the, the local news team in the spot, they would probably have to go there. Uh, or arranged travel. But for a lot of those things, they were shot in, in Nashville. A lot of the spots were shot in Jim's backyard. So it's like really the 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 sort of, uh, you know, not low budget, but like very economical way of like making these very simple ads. Um, and they did use the same scripts for a lot of things. And, you know, they. I think the, I feel like we saw a record somewhere that maybe he did like 20 something ads in one day. Like that was one of the records that he set. Um, and Jim Barney could do that. He could, you could tell him, okay, now we're doing the same spot again, but this time swap out pine state dairy instead of purity or swap <laughs> out, you know, this person's name for this other person's name. He could, he could do that and keep it in his head because he can't like, you know, his face is so close to the camera. He can't look at cue cards. He can't read a script. He's got to keep all of this in his brain. And that's just like wild to me.
0: You know, I we lost him before these big conventions really have taken off to the level they are now. Were there some opportunities mm-hmm. where he did personal appearances as Ernest and signed autographs? And I, I wonder if, if that was something he enjoyed doing uh, back in the day.
1: He definitely did personal appearances. We've seen photos and uh, we've gotten messages from a bunch of people. He was like, you know, at state fairs, he was. I think even in our documentary teaser trailer, there's like a photo of him at some live event, and there's just like a a swath of people, like sort of around him. Um, you know, even the way that he was discovered by the Disney folks was uh, he was the guest of honor, or not the guest of honor, but he was in like a, a, a some sort of character parade at the Indy Five Hundred in the mid '80s, and you know, I believe some Disney characters were part of that parade, but they did not get the the raucous response from the crowd that Ernest got and so uh you know Michael Eisner and those <laughs> looked at that and were like, who's this Ernest guy we gotta we gotta figure out what this is all about
0: so I've read that he pulled the character out and played Ernest like a last time for like a fast food chain or something in New Mexico was that What was the last thing we got of Ernest that Jim did?
1: That's a great question. I I know we know the last movie was uh, uh, Ernest in the Army. I believe that's like 97 or 98. I know he was doing commercials still
0: into the mid to late 90s but I'm not sure if we know what the last Ernest commercial is. That's a great question. Is, I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Well, I, I've heard that it was a fast food chain out in New Mexico, and that was one of the last times he dusted off and went, and, hey, let's go do some Ernest commercials. Was there a movie called Ernest the Pirate in production?
1: Aha, this is one of the classic questions. So the the Ernest the Pirate myth originates from there was a movie that Carden and cherry made, uh, or that John cherry directed. I forget who actually originated the movie, but it was, it was called pirates of the plane. And the idea was that this would be a, a non earnest role for Jim Varney to play, uh, seemingly as a way to like, just keep him around and keep him working with the same groups. So sure. that uh, Earnest could potentially also still happen. But, um, it was never going to be Ernest the Pirate. It was this movie called Pirates of the Plane that I think they ended up making with uh, Tim Curry later on uh, because at that point Jim was ill. But uh, yeah, you can see in the, in the Ernest TV series, he plays a pirate at least once. I, Jim Jim was great at playing a pirate character. So I think that was just like an opportunity for him to really get to do a different type of character that he didn't often get to portray.
0: You know, I always wonder if this was true or not. We went to Epcot Center, uh, like one of the first years it opened and on the back lot of MGM studios at Disney world during the tour, they pointed out that the house. Ernest lives in, in all the Ernest stuff was amongst the houses with, uh, the golden girls and some other things. Have you ever heard that before?
1: Yeah, so Ernest Saves Christmas was actually largely shot at Disney. If you look at the beginning of the movie where Ernest is a a cab driver in that movie, and when he's driving the cab that has uh, Santa Claus in it, uh, he is basically driving down the entrance to uh, Walt Disney World. Um, So I I don't think it's the house that was used in more movies beyond Ernest Saves Christmas, because you don't always see his house, and sometimes it's different. But uh, certainly in that movie... They were not. They were not joking. They were serious about that being Ernest's house. And I, I, unfortunately, I don't think it exists anymore because uh, Disney's uh, Hollywood Studios, as it's now known, has kind of changed a bunch of times in (laughs) recent years.
0: Yeah, they've got a Star Wars thing sitting on Ernest's house, probably (laughs) more than likely. (laughs) You know? Yeah, it's it's
1: a strange thing because again, like the Ernest ownership and the Ernest rights. uh, You know, as we produce this documentary, we're kind of finding how. Sort of all over the place they are, um and so you know i I imagine that it's the kind of thing where you know we've got ernest we've made these we've made these four movies with jim barney and and the uh advertising folks, but this isn't really our character, so we're gonna you know we might not i I feel like a similar thing probably happened with Roger Rabbit, where it's like this is sort of a sort of a dummy thing, but sort of not. So we're going to yes. sort of do a little bit less with it than we might otherwise. Probably the most prominent thing that, uh, Ernest did with Disney apart from those four movies is a very bizarre TV special called Ernest goes to splash mountain, which was this sort of one-off that I imagine aired on the Disney channel. And, uh, is just, uh, is Ernest P. Worrell testing out the, the original splash mountain ride in California as, uh, uh, as a world-renowned ride tester, they call him in that
0: special. It's <laughs> You have
1: to see it to believe
0: it. Does anyone have a copy of that? I hope it's on YouTube. It absolutely is. <laughs> it sounds like the Star Wars Christmas special or something. One of those long-lost, forgotten kind of sure. deals, you know? You know, I, there was two actors I loved in the 80s, and I always thought that Jim Vardy almost had sort of a parallel with Paul Rubens in that he's known as Ernest and Paul is known as Pee Wee. And that's just how it was really, you know, did Ernest end up having this Saturday morning cartoon show, but based on the success of Pee Wee's playhouse, how did that come about exactly? It's a great question. I mean,
1: certainly there is a very clear parallel you could draw between Ernest and Pee Wee. Um, they're both these Characters that are like inexorably tied to the actor who performed them. Yep. Uh, to the extent that I think in both cases, there was often question of like, is Ernest a real person? Is, is Jim Barney in real life exactly like Ernest? You know, there's that sort of like disconnect uh, or uh, lack of clarity that uh, I think maybe was more intentional in the case of Pee Wee than it was with Ernest. But uh, I'm not actually sure how the TV series came about. Um to me I always just kind of took it as like what else can we do with this character that seems like what the the ad agency folks and Jim were always asking themselves about Ernest like oh what else can we do with this character maybe he's in uh, maybe he's in a horror movie maybe he's on a tv show like like it, it, it just seemed like they made this performance happen for advertising that was so successful and so flexible that they just started to kind of see, like, oh, well, what if we popped him over here? What if he did this sure. kind of thing? Yeah. And, and it, it it feels more experimental than uh, than trying to uh, follow anyone else's example or trends. Um, although I know certainly there are some interviews where uh, probably Jim Barney himself compares Ernest's uh, success and notoriety to like a P.B. Herman sort of thing. In terms of how the character and the actor are related. You could say the same for Adam West and Batman. Sure.
0: Honestly. Sure. I mean, well, Pee Wee obviously was more successful with the television show where Ernest was more successful mm-hmm. as a movie star. You know, I mean, they made plenty of those movies. How many Ernest films are they? Uh there are nine, nine. Ernest films. So Amongst the fans, which one is The Wrath of Khan, The Empire Strikes Back? There has to be one everybody considers (laughs) the strongest, earnest film.
1: I mean, it's a a contentious question for sure, and I I don't want to speak for the entire fandom uh, myself. Uh, What I will say is I've observed that, by and large, it seems like uh, Ernest Goes to Jail is the one that people seem to think is the wackiest or or sometimes (laughs) the funniest right um i think Ernest scared stupid is the biggest crossover one where you see it a lot where people kind of for for a lot of people it's like their entryway into horror fandom sure where it's like it's 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 an earnest film but there's also legitimately bizarre and creepy things happening in there you got the kyoto brothers doing the the creature effects what else can you expect? You know, the, they did Large Marge and PB's Pee- Big Adventure. They, they know oh, yeah. how to do disturbing stuff that's somehow also PG. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I think, you know, for me personally, the one I grew up with was Ernest Saves Christmas. We watched it on the VHS tape at my friend's house all the time. It, it was the thing that I associated most clearly with Ernest in my mind when I was a very little kid. I don't even know that I knew that he did commercials when I was a kid. I just knew him from, uh, Ernest is Christmas originally. And then, Oh, there's all this other stuff that he's in. Wow. I gotta, I gotta check this out.
0: He was a phenomenal talent. I, I thought one of the most incredible things he did was to turn around and convince us all that he was Jed Clampett on the heels of all this Ernest business. He was phenomenal in that movie. Did he appreciate that character? I've always heard that was one of his favorite TV shows. Gosh, you know, I'm not sure
1: what he thought about uh, the Beverly Hillbillies as a show. I I think for him, he appreciated that it was a chance to not be earnest and to, to, to demonstrate that he could do these other roles that were nothing like earnest, that were sort of, you know. Uh, Jed Clampett is in that movie more kind of paternal and and kind of quieter and and understated. It doesn't have the same uh, cartoonish wackiness that Ernest might. And I think, you know, in looking at reviews of both that movie and other Ernest things around the time, people started to to catch on to that and be like, oh, like this guy, he's pretty good, this Jim Varney. I think he might be an actor. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and I think, you know, if he hadn't passed so, uh, so young, he, I think that would have only continued and you would have seen him start to get these sort of roles kind of like he did at the end of his life with like, uh, Billy Bob Thornton film and, and, and other things like that.
0: I've heard his best friends were like Robin Williams, William Shatner and Waylon Jennings. I mean, if you've got friends like that, man, you're, you're in, you're hooked up. Have you heard that before? <laughs>
1: I know there's a great clip on YouTube also of, I believe it's at one of the comic relief fundraising events from the 80s of, of Jim dressed as Ernest and Robin Williams just goofing around backstage and doing all kinds of characters and voices. Um, Yeah.
0: It's classic.
1: I can only imagine what, what a film with those two together would have been.
0: Where can people follow you and, and get this book and, and follow for the documentary to come out?
1: Yeah. So the, the, Documentary is called The Importance of Being Earnest, and the website for that documentary is beingearnestfilm.com and you can go there and pre-order the film. Uh, all proceeds go directly to the production of the documentary, which is still in progress. We actually just sent out a uh, a new update on our progress this past week, and there's all kinds of other goodies and info and I don't I don't want to say answers, but there's frequently asked questions, whether or not we've had the Answers discovered to all of them yet is uh, is sometimes a, uh, a coin toss. But, uh, yes, com.
0: Thank you so much, David Pagano, for being on Guatney Unplugged. You guys go have a fantastic weekend. Know what I mean? Guatney Unplugged has been brought to you by the good folks at Guatney Buick GMC. Ready to trade? See them at 5700 Landers Road in North Little Rock or shop online at guatneybuickgmc.com. Call 501 945 4444. GMC. We are professional grade.